Scripture passage this morning, Genesis chapter 19, verses 30 through 38, beginning on page 27 in your pew Bibles. Here now the reading of God's holy word. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man around here to lie with us, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine, and the older daughter went in and lay with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I lay with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and lie with him, so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went and lay with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Benami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. Let's follow the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Uh, a song that uh, I used to listen to quite a bit that I found to be pretty powerful was a song by Casting Crowns called Slow Fade. Uh, the song has a, a bit of like a pre-chorus, and it says, be careful little eyes what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful little feet where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. And uh, the uh, main part of the song goes like this. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. Daddies never crumble in a day. Families never crumble in a day. It's a song that I think is very fitting to the story of Lot and his family. Um, you see, whenever you uh, hear of professing Christians who've fallen into gross sin, you ask yourself, how did they ever get to this low level? If the people involved had made no claim of being Christians, it would be one thing, but when they claim to know God and then commit the worst kind of sins imaginable, you wonder, what's going on? How did that happen? How did we get to this situation? Well, a lot of story is like that. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, we read that Lot was a righteous man, and he was pricked to his very core about all the things that were going on in Sodom around him. It's the reason why there was a redemption, a salvation out of Sodom and Gomorrah when destruction came upon them. So when you read about his two daughters getting him drunk and committing incest with him, you wonder how a believer got to such a low point. And so what I'd hope for us to do this morning is learn from Lot's mistakes 
and live by faith and not by sight. Learn from lots of mistakes and live by faith and not by sight. Um, I would say that oftentimes in my uh, preaching uh, classes, there would be a, a certain uh, concern for making sure that your sermons aren't uh, exemplary and legalistic. Uh, Daniel was a brave person, be a Daniel. David, you're David, slay your giants. That kind of preaching. But I will tell you in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Romans chapter 15, we do see that there is a function for the Old Testament as a warning to us to not go in the same paths, to not do the same things. Hebrews also calls us to not be like those Israelites who did not connect their obedience to their faith, who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So, our story this morning is much in that vein. Don't be a lot. Do be a Daniel. Don't be a lot. So let's learn from Lot's mistakes. The first is, the first point we're going to talk about this morning is, from decadence, disaster. You're going to like my alliterations, Josh. For decadence, disaster, verse 30. Verse 30, this morning we read, Lot and his two daughters left Zoar, settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. What I want you to think about is the story that we have had about Lot all the way up until this point, Genesis chapter 19. By the way, Lot will no longer be mentioned in all the rest of redemptive history, all the way through the Old Testament, until the New Testament Peter mentions him, right? What I want you to remember is that at one point, Abraham and Lot had become so rich, so wealthy, that their sheep herders were fighting with each other. And Abraham, being the wise person that he was, came to Lot and he said, we are kinsmen, we are brothers, let us not fight, let us not uh, have issues. We, we need to split up, though, because we have too much livestock, we have too many people to be living in the same area. And so Abraham gave Lot freedom of choice. He said, Lot, you choose whatever it is that you want, and then in response to whatever it is that you choose, I will go in the opposite direction. And so Lot looks out upon all the land. And he looks down upon the valley where Sodom and Gomorrah is. And he sees with his very own eyes that Sodom and Gomorrah is a place that looked like the garden of the Lord. So lush, so green, so wonderful to the eye. But even there, Moses warns us, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were very evil. And so what does Lot do? He moves his tents down, and we read, Lot lived outside the city of Sodom. And ominously, we're thinking, that's kind of close for comfort, Lot. Don't you remember the words that we read in Scripture, bad company corrupts good morals, every parent's favorite Scripture verse. Now, don't you be hanging out with them. And so at this point, we're thinking, okay, well, this is what's happened, and this is, we're just going to have to deal with this. And then we read, we read that in a 
battle between kings, Sodom was overrun. And those who lived in Sodom were taken captive. And Abraham is told, Lot and all his family have been taken captive. Well, so now we know that Lot no longer lives outside of Sodom in his tents. No, he has taken up residence in the city of destruction. He has taken up residence amongst these corrupt and evil people. It's a slow faith. It's a slow faith. But here, Lot is given a wake-up call, an opportunity to reconsider his ways because in the power of God, the God who is the warrior, Abraham goes and he gets back Lot and his family. They were taken captive. Saves them, redeems them from the destruction that was going to come upon them. Wow, we're thinking, Lot, I hope you learned your lesson. Well, the next thing that we read is that Lot is living again in the city of Sodom. And we learn more in Genesis chapter 19. We learn that Lot, as the two angels arrived in the city, was sitting in the gateway of the city. The gateway of the city was the, city, the place where legal action was taken, the place where the elders of the city, the well-known citizens of the city would stand and would take cases and situations. That Lot has now become not only somebody who lives in the city of Sodom, but a prominent person who lives in the city of Sodom. And we keep reading and we learn that Lot has taken up residence. He has this house in the city of Sodom that everybody in all of Sodom knows where Lot's house is because they all gather outside his door and are knocking and saying, bring those men out to us that we may do whatever it is that we want to do with them, that we may know them. And Lot is saying, don't, don't do this. You shouldn't be doing this. And, and as we read and we continue to read that Lot has not only taken up residence amongst the citizens of Sodom, but he is seeking to become part of the people of Sodom because he has married his, his daughters off to men of Sodom. It's a slow faith. And then we continue to read in Genesis 19 that it's not only that Lot has, out of uh, necessity, decided to live in Sodom, but that he has become attached in some way to the ways of Sodom, to the, to the decadence of Sodom. Even though it's covered in sin, even though it's covered in all this, he has become accustomed to the way of living that he has had in Sodom. And he's so reluctant to leave, even though the angels have told him, wrath is coming, destruction is coming. I mean, could you not read Genesis 19 and think to yourself, what are you thinking, Lot? You are lollygagging around. And God is going to destroy where you're at. They had to grab him to take him out. And even as they're leaving, Lot says, just give me this one more thing. Don't destroy this whole area. Don't destroy this whole valley. I know God said that that's what he's going to do, but don't destroy this whole valley. Just let us go to Zoar. Let us go there. And so God preserved that little town, Zoar, because Lot did not want to flee out of that area. 
But where did that get him? Well, from decadence to disaster. From decadence to disaster. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar, settled in the mountains because he was afraid to stay in Zoar. Why was he afraid to stay in Zoar? Well, maybe he was so frightened by the judgment that he saw, the, the brimstone, the, the sulfur, the, the burning sulfur, the, the fire that came down upon Sodom and Gomorrah and the rest of that valley, the smoke that was burning. Maybe he was so concerned about that that he thought that was going to eventually happen to Zoar. Maybe he was frightened by the citizens who, who lived in that small town of Zoar. Maybe he was saying, they're going to find out. They're going to find out that I'm the only person that survived from Sodom. And that, that kind of makes me look suspicious. And so we can't stay in here. He's become a, a fearful person. Because of the disaster, because of the corruption, because of the slow fade that he has had towards sin, corruption, the ways of this world. He's not someone who has the peace that goes beyond all understanding. He's someone who is now once again wrestling with the fear of death and judgment. They leave Zoar, and what is Lot's final place? A cave in the side of a mountain. He went from decadence to disaster. Goes to tell you that riches in this life, they cannot be taken with you. Riches in this life are nothing apart from the Lord. If all you desire to have in this life is prominence, position of power, notoriety, decadence, riches, comforts, your final place will be in a cave, dark, dirty, nothing to call your own. That is, we're living by sight and not by faith has brought lot. And so we read it on from daughter's deception. You see, it's not only that Lot's little tiny choices have affected only him. It's not only that Lot's little slow fade towards living outside the city of Sodom, living inside the city of Sodom, becoming a prominent person in the city of Sodom, marrying his daughters off to Sodomite men. It's not only that these slow fades and these Places and these choices that Lot has made have affected him personally. They have affected his family as well. We, of course, read that Lot's wife looked back longingly at Sodom and everything that she had. She could very well have been from Sodom. We are not told who Lot's wife was. But Nonetheless, she's turned into a pillar of salt. And it might be that because of all the destruction surrounding them, um, that the daughters thought to themselves that uh, they were the only people who lived. I don't think that's the case, though. 
I think that what you see here, the daughters using the logic that they're using, the arguments that they're using, uh, the deception that they're using, the lack of respect and honor for one's parents that they are displaying is an expression that the choices that Lot has made for his family of where they should live and what they will do, the, uh, the way in which Lot has failed to speak as they lived in the city of Sodom of the God of Abraham, uh, of the God who redeemed them and saved them out of slavery when they were taken off, um, the God who pre- uh, prepared a place for them and who has been a uh, provider for them, these um, daughters of Lot, these unnamed daughters of Lot, have become very much like the people of Sodom. Very much like the people of Sodom. And so one day the older daughter decides to create this deceptive plot. She says, our father is old, there's no man around here to lie with us as is the custom all over the earth. And so she says, let's get him drunk with wine and then lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. And so uh, that night, they got the father to drink wine and the older daughter went in and lay with him. He was not aware of it. The next day, the older daughter told the younger, I did it, now it's your turn, go ahead. They got him drunk again. And the younger daughter lay with him, and again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. A couple things should be mentioned here. In a very real sense, what is being described here is a lot like um, a retelling of the story of Noah. Noah survives through the great judgment that God brings upon the world through the flood, him and his family. Finally, They're able to exit the boat. And what does Noah do? He plants a vineyard. He gets drunk with wine. And one of his sons dishonors him. We're not entirely sure what that dishonoring was. But when you read it, it seems to be that it could be sexual in nature. Noah saw, or his son Ham saw Noah's nakedness. Here again we see Lot and his family survive through a judgment that is meant to be a type of the judgment to come just like the flood, but it's on a smaller scale. It's localized. They escape that judgment. They, are, uh, they make it through that judgment. They are the survivors of that judgment as an expression of the grace and the mercy of God, as an expression of God's covenant faithfulness to Abraham. God remembered Abraham. Therefore, Lot and his family uh, survived, right? Um, and what happens? Somebody gets drunk, and there is a dishonoring of a parent and a sexual nature. Except here in this account, we're given much more clarity and detail as to what this particular uh, dishonoring is. It's the act of incest. The act of incest. Um, It is very interesting that we live in a culture that has tried in so many ways to express the wrongfulness or to express the freedom that we have um, in sex and sexual activity, um, to deny what the scriptures say about so many aspects of biblical human sexuality. 
Um, so, for instance, we live in a culture now today that thinks polyamorous relationships where there is um, multiple people um, in a relationship, multiple women, multiple men, it's fine. It's, it's actually something that's beautiful, and it's actually something that's good. We live in a culture today that thinks that uh, men and men being together in a sexual relationship, nothing wrong with that. Women and women being in a sexual relationship, nothing wrong with that. Uh, we live in a culture today that finds many of these things appropriate, nothing wrong with them, and they decry the bi- biblical scriptures that say something that is wrong with these kinds of acts, right? Uh, but we live in a, in a culture today that still inherently knows that incest is wrong. Incest is, is wrong. Now, I would um, express to you that I believe that that is an um, expression of the image of God that people cannot get away from. The wrongfulness of uh, family members, close family members having sexual relations with each other. Um, and, and if you have that response to reading this passage in Genesis 19, it's appropriate. Now, one could say that Lot is the victim in this deception from his daughters. But you have to remember, he's the one that had to drink the wine. They got him to drink so much wine, he was so drunk that he did not know when his daughters lay down or when they got up. This is important because this is the second episode in Genesis where we are reminded that an abuse of alcohol, the losing of inhibitions, often leads to sins, sexual in nature, often lead to doing things and making choices one would not do if not under the influence of alcohol. It's the reason why the New Testament will say, do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. Lot is deceived by his daughters, but he, in his possible depression, the fact that he has fallen to such a state, to go from the decadence to the disaster, to go from being a prominent citizen in the city of Sodom to living in a hole in the mountain with his two daughters and having nothing to his name, Lot drinks his pity away. And because he drinks his pity away, he commits incest with his daughters. Now we're given a note that he was not aware both times. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up so that we would know that this is not something Lot would do if he were in his right mind. This is something that we're told, this is something that Lot would not do um, under normal circumstances. Uh, If he was conscious enough, if he was um, in his right mind enough, if he was not drunk, he would not have done this. Nonetheless, what we have is an opportunity to learn from Lot's mistakes, live by faith and not by sight. You see, how is it 
that this moment is an expression of living by sight and not by faith. Well, it's the daughters who say, there is nobody here but our father. There's no man around. There's nobody that we can be with. Our husbands did not escape from Sodom like uh, when Lot warned them. Uh, so let's do this. Let's do this in order to preserve our family line through our father. Well, I need to be clear about this. Even if it looks like a situation is bad, that it's not going to pan out the way that you would think it should, that there should be a preservation of your family line, um, you're not permitted to disobey God in order to obey God. You're not permitted to disobey God in order to obey God. And so the daughters have followed after the pattern of their father. They are living by sight and not by faith. They are the ones thinking there's no other men. This is it. This is, it. This is the moment. This is, we're at the very end. This is what we have to do. It's our final option. So they get their dad drunk. They sleep with him, and they become pregnant by him. And that leads us to our final point, from daughters, descendants. And we read, both Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. Um, I just had to take a moment to tell you, I often ponder, okay, Lot was drunk, and he didn't know that they did this, but eventually he would know. And I wonder how he felt about that. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. Now, if these names aren't purposeful, um, descriptors of who these people are, then I don't know what other names could be. Moab is, sounds like the Hebrew from father. He's the father of the Moabites today. The younger daughter also had a son. She named him Ben-Ami. Ben-Ami means son of my people. He's the father of the Ammonites of today. Now, those who were listening to the reading of Genesis, Moses gave this to the people of Israel. They would have heard those words, and it would be like a shocker, like a plot twist. Somebody that was related to us, not too long ago, to our father Abraham, is the descendant, the descendants of that person are the Moabites and the Ammonites, our sworn enemies. The Moabites were those who stood prior to the Israelites entering into the promised land. The Moabite king is the one who hired uh, Balaam to speak prophecies against the, the people of Israel. Uh, and the Moabites and Balaam were the ones who dis, dis, uh, dis, put together this plan, this dastardly plan that, okay, well, since we couldn't curse uh, the people of Israel, we'll send our, our ladies, our women, into the camp, and the women will uh, turn the, the sons of Israel away from the God uh, of Israel and to, in order to worship pagan gods. And, and so that happened, and that's uh, uh, the only thing that stopped that was Phineas 
entering into a tent, stabbing through a, a man of Israel and a Moabite priestess woman uh, and killing them at the same time. The Ammonites, multiple encounters with the Ammonites, all uh, the Moabites and the Ammonites become the enemy of God's people. You understand that, right? They become the enemies of God's people, those who turned and worshiped pagan gods. And so from Lot's choice to live by sight and not by faith come these enemies of the people of God, the Moabites, the Ammonites, be a thorn in the side of the people of Israel, even after they entered into the promised land. Multiple encounters with them, multiple battles. And so from the daughters, Lot has these descendants and these twisted origins point to the reason why there's so much animosity between Israel and the people of Moab and the Ammonites. Because even their origin is incestuous. It comes from a, a person, a family, a man who had lost his way as a believer, who did not stand to live by faith and not by sight, who was persuaded in his slow fade to turn away from Jesus and to the things of this world. Well, that's the end for Lot's story. It doesn't mean that the declaration at the end of Lot's story is that he's not a believer. It just means that he's, he's a believer that we often go, how did he get to that place? So far from the obedience God has called us to, so far from his grace and mercy, to be ended up in a dark cave with his daughters who get him drunk and sleep with him. How did he get there? Well, you see, I have the privilege of watching a lot of crime shows with my wife because that's something that she's interested in. And sometimes you'll read, you'll watch crime shows, you'll hear stories about mass murderers, serial killers, and you think to yourself, that person is just actually broken. They're sadistic. They're narcissistic. Um, they are broken as a human being. They have no empathy and sympathy. Nothing happened to them to make them that way. They're just broken because they're part of this evil, cursed world. But most people, most people are not like that. Most people do not have broken brain chemistry like that. Most people are not so broken as human beings that they come to the place where they can murder and kill without any remorse or, or, or any uh, consideration of other people. Most people get to that point because they first started doing something very small. Seemingly insignificant. Maybe it was a, a little lie 
here or there. But it's a slow fade. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white turn to gray and thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. Fathers never crumble in a day. Families never crumble in a day. But there is hope. There is hope. You know why? Well, do you remember that story of Ruth? How her husband died? How she went with Naomi, her mother-in-law, to the promised land? Um, Ruth, how she married Boaz, how she became the great-grandmother of King David, how she ended up being in the family tree of Jesus, as we read of his genealogy. Uh, the most amazing thing about Ruth is that she was a Moabitess. You heard me right. She was a Moabite, descended from Lot and his daughter. She grew up in a culture that hated and despised the children of Israel. Yet, she moved to Israel and became the great-grandmother of King David. Ended up in the family tree of Jesus. How come? It's very simple, really. In Ruth's life, we see a wonderful instance of God's grace overcoming the darkness of sin and evil and hatred. God's grace can overcome even the darkness of Genesis 19, verses 30 through 38. That's the promise of the gospel. Fast forward to today. What do we see? Well, we see that Lot is gone. His daughters are gone. The people that we know as Moab are gone. Ammon is gone. What remains, though, is the descendants of Abraham, Jesus Christ, and his body, the church, What remains is the hope of the gospel. What remains is that even a Moabite woman can become a part of the people of God because of the grace of Jesus Christ, her great, 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 great grandson. So my encouragement to us today is maybe learn from Lot's mistakes and live by faith and not by sight, but maybe also know that there is no person beyond the grace, mercy, and hope of God. That even those whom we might call Moabites or Ammonites or Gentiles can be brought in to the family of God, adopted children of God through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we, we have come from twisted origins. We have come from first parents who did not obey you, who turned away from you and plunged this world and our hearts into sin and corruption. Heavenly Father, we see in the life of Lot many things that we can relate to. A lack of self-awareness about sin's corruption and deceitfulness. A lack of wisdom about what is best for our family and what is best 
um, for our lives. A lack of discernment about how to stay within the covenant family. <clears throat> how best to raise our children. Um, we see a lot in, in Lot a desire, Lord, to be someone who's well-known in this world. Um, someone who has many blessings of wealth. Um, but a lack of concern about being well-known by you. And storing up riches in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. We see, Lord, the end of, of Lot is one that is sad. It's, it's in the darkness of a cave. It's in the depression of drunkenness. It's in the corruption of incest. But Lord, that would all be our destiny and our destination and our end as well, if not for the grace of Jesus Christ that you have given to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us even with our twisted origins, even with our brokenness. Away from our sin and corruption and into righteousness and life and light out of the city of destruction and into the city built by your hands. Out of the family of origin that would destroy us into your family adopted to be your children, through Jesus Christ, our brother. It's in his name we pray. Amen.